Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and on. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do you remember what it was like to be a kid and long to grow? Just long to grow. I, I remember when my wife and I were first getting to know each other, and I didn't tell her I was going to share this, but uh, one of the things I, I learned, but first learned about her is that as a little girl, she longed to become a mom. That was a longing in her heart. One of the ways she longed to grow, she was a little girl, and for me, I had a sort of a flashback moment the other day to when I was a little kid. I remember how I longed to grow. I, I was driving a couple weeks ago with my son Caleb in the car, just he and I, and I remember a flashback to driving with my dad, and we, we had borrowed our friend's truck to do truck things. <laughs> and he was driving, and he was right next to me because it just had a bench seat, and so there was only one place to sit in the front seat. I got to sit in the front seat. It's pretty good for a seven-year-old to sit in the front seat. And he had the window down, his hand on the wheel, and his, his other elbow resting on the, the window, and his, his, his hand, his left hand, reached the top of the window. That was so cool. 
and I put my little elbow up on the other side, and my little hand went like halfway up. And I remember sitting there. I, you know, my wife longed to be a mother in this really awesome, huge thing, and I just wanted long arms. I just wanted to grow and just wanted to have longer arms and just be as cool as my dad. Who could? I was just, man, that was, oh, I had like this, this whole moment driving with my son Caleb in the car, remembering how I longed, longed to grow. I wanted more than anything else to grow. I wanted to grow taller. I wanted longer arms. I wanted to grow strong and all this stuff. Do you remember what it was like when you wanted to grow? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like? And, and that's, there's this prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians. And this, this prayer is what drives how we've been thinking about this series. And, and I believe it's, it's truly at the center of what drives what Scripture teaches about money and finances. Because I know a lot of people, a lot of preachers have said a lot of things that are not in, in Scripture about money and finances. This, I believe, is the heart of what Scripture teaches about money and finances. Listen to Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Listen to his yearning and desire to see these children of God grow. And it, it, just listen to this. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. It's Ephesians 3.14. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a prayer. <laughs> Have you ever longed to grow in Jesus like that? Have you ever longed to grow in the Lord the way I longed to have long arms when I was seven in that truck with my dad? You see, we, when we look at, at things like finances and other tricky issues in our life, we need to understand that God's heart for us, he wants to see us grow, and, and, and he's, he's way more interested in your heart being a dwelling place of Christ and you getting to experience the fullness of God. He, he, that's what he wants. He wants that more than he wants your wallet. He wants that more than he wants your finances. This, this is the heart behind our thinking on this series. This is what drives what Scripture teaches about money. God wants us to be full-hearted. He wants our hearts to be full of Jesus, this dwelling place of Christ. He wants us to be constantly growing in this in a way that, that man, when I read that prayer of Paul in the Ephesians, ah, oh, I hope people are praying for me like that. I hope he's in heaven looking down praying for me like that. This is where our, our title for this series comes from, Full Hearted. We want to understand how our finances go together with our faith growth. That is what this is about. We want to be full-hearted disciples of Jesus. I so love Paul's passion and yearning to see them grow in Christ, have Christ dwell in their hearts. If Scripture is our authority, then we can see that understanding finances, it, it simply is a great opportunity for us to grow in this kind of faith. It's beautiful. And we're going to see today that it all starts with the heart. 
You know, our mission at LifePoint is to engage people in the unexpected joy of a life that is more and more dependent on Jesus. And in our day-to-day lives, I don't know that there is any, any more practical way to depend on Jesus, which dependence on Jesus is the very definition of faith. I don't know if there's a more practical way to depend on Jesus than with our finances. And that's what we see Jesus unpack in this passage today. Joseph, thank you for reading that. As we travel through this series, we are going to see this truth over and over. And this is, this is the big idea of the series, that our finances are one of the tools that God uses to grow our faith. We're going to see that. God uses our finances. It's, it, it, our finances are a means to an end, and the end is growing in full-hearted faith. He uses our finances to help us get there. That is the heart of finances in Scripture. So, I ask, do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to move forward into this kind of full-hearted faith, this eager longing to see Jesus dwell in your heart, to experience the fullness of God in your faith? Do you want that? If so, let's turn together. Let's see how Jesus unpacks the deep connection between our hearts and our wallets. Open up to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this is a great Sunday to be looking at the text, to have it open in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible, you can up, up, open up to page 811, or you can borrow your neighbor's smartphone and have them look it up for you there. Um, we're in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. And here we see that money is a hard issue. Money is, is certainly a heart issue, and we see Jesus address this heart issue in three movements throughout this passage here, and, and in, in typical Jesus fashion, it's brilliant. Turns out he's a great preacher, and, uh, and, and these, these truths that he presents in each of these movements, they can stand alone, but they also connect and build on each other, and, and if we're going to understand this connection between our hearts and our wallets, our financial lives, and, and, and our faith life, our full-hearted faith, then we need to, to look at these three movements, and so the first movement is Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. If you look at those first two verses, 19 and 20, we'll see uh, that, that this, this truth that Whatever we trust with our money will move our hearts. The things that we trust with our money, with our finances, that, that will move our hearts. Look at verse 19. He opens up with this sort of a negative command. He says, do not lay up, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. And then he gives a reason why. Why not? Well, because on earth uh, the treasure isn't safe. It's subject to decay and destruction and theft. The text uses the word rust. It actually, like that just means to be consumed. It's like things on earth are returning to the earth, right? I mean, if after all this rain, like your garden may be returning to the earth here. Like, like, like that, the treasure we have on earth, if we let it stay here, it is subject to all this stuff. It will, it will decay, it will be destroyed, it can be taken from you. Uh, So he starts with this negative command, but he follows it up with a positive command. He says, but, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Why? Turns out things don't decay there. They last forever. Your treasure is safe in heaven, but it's not safe here. The stock market's going to crash. Your car is going to fall apart. It was beautiful and brand new 20 years ago, and it is, it, it's decaying now. Our treasure is not safe on earth, but it is safe in heaven. So he says, lay up treasure in heaven. Now, 
is a good point here to pause because we're going to ask, well, how do you do that? How do you lay up treasure in heaven? And there's lots of ways you can do that. We're going to dive into some of that uh, in future weeks. But just real quick, just to be clear, our finances are not the only way that we can, we can have a reward of treasure in heaven. Scripture teaches that God rewards at least five things with treasure in heaven. James 1.12 says that Scripture, uh, scripture says in James 1.12 that God rewards, rewards perseverance. We get treasure in heaven by persevering through difficulty. He rewards seeking God, 2 Timothy 4.8. If we seek God, there is a reward in heaven. He rewards loving and developing people, something we call in the church discipleship. He rewards that, John 4, 35 and 36. He rewards serving those who are in need, especially those with physical need, hunger, shelter, those who are in prison, those, the, those who are sick. He says, serve those in need, Matthew 25, 31 to 46. He rewards working faithfully in any kind of job, including and especially motherhood. He, in, he, he rewards all of these things and he also rewards a faithful use of our finances. We're going to unpack that more. But just so as we look at what it means to lay up treasure in heaven, there's a variety of ways to get there. And remember, finances are one of the tools that God uses to grow us in our faith. And then here we get to verse 21. This is the reason. This is the reason. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, we cannot separate our hearts from our treasure. You just can't do it. Even if you leave your wallet at home, you still can't be separated your heart from your treasure. And here's the thing I love, you know, we we it's sort of a famous, you know, coffee mug verse. Uh, this, this verse here, that uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we kind of get this idea that we can't separate these things, but Here's what I love. The implication, if we, if we really look at what Jesus is saying here, he's, got expressing, he's expressing a deep care and love for us that is in God's heart. Because if your heart is going to where your treasure is, and if you store your treasure on earth where it's being destroyed, what's going to happen to your heart? You know, God is telling us to store our treasure in a place where it's safe because he wants our hearts to be safe from those same things too. It's this beautiful care that we see expressed in the heart of God through our finances. So money is a heart issue. Whatever we trust with our money, it will move our hearts. Where our money goes, our hearts follow. We can't separate our hearts from our money. If we look at the next, the next section here, this middle section, verses 22 to 24, we see this truth that our hearts cannot trust in two directions at once. And this is sort of a confusing passage. If you read this, you, Jesus is talking about treasures on earth and heaven and where your treasure is, your heart is. And then he starts talking about the eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. Look at verses 22 to 23. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What on earth does he mean here? <laughs> A little careful study here is helpful, and, and Jesus is using, he's employing a metaphor to unpack two ways that we can see our finances, that we can view our finances. And it's important to understand the context of who he's speaking to. Jewish literature often equates the heart and the eye. 
There is this deep connection between our eyes and our hearts. We know this conceptually, too. We know that, if we, that, that our hearts can desire what our eyes focus on, so we experience this. But this was a common connection in, in Jewish literature, and Jesus is speaking to it. When he gets to, to verse 22a here, um, he unpacks God's design. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Your eye... The way that your heart sees is meant to be a lamp for your body. It's meant to shed light on the the rest of your insides, the rest of your heart and soul. Your eye, as he's using the term here, it is designed and intended to, to, to like bring this great benefit to all the rest of us. That's the design of the eye. What, what is a healthy eye that is operating as it's designed? What does it do? He uses this word healthy. He says, he says here, um, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. This word for healthy that he uses here, the, it, the English translators, they, they kind of stuck with the, the metaphor Jesus was using of, of the body parts of the eye. But the word itself, that same word is translated in other places in the New Testament, is commonly used for the, the word generous. It's used in James 1.5, it's translated as generous, in Romans 12.8, in 2 Corinthians 9.11. So we can look at this if we're understanding metaphorically what Jesus is saying. It's like he's telling us that if your eye is functioning the way it was designed, it will be an eye that, it, that sees with generosity. It will be a generous eye. Now, to, to, to contrast that, he goes on, he says, if the eye is bad, if your eye is bad, verse 23, your whole body will be full of darkness. In this word for bad, there's a lot of different words that could be used for bad or evil, and here this word is typically, is often known to kind of carry this sense of, of begrudgingness. So he's contrasting an eye, a heart posture that's generous with a heart posture that's begrudging. This would have been abundantly clear to his original audience. And so as we dive into the context and understand here, it makes a little more sense when he gets to verse 24 and he applies this metaphor to our faith and our finances. We see in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, there's a fork in the road here. And and the way you look, the way you see things will determine which direction you're moving on this road. And our hearts cannot trust in two directions at once. We can't serve God and money. We we, We can't trust one way and the other way at the same time. We can either serve God with a generous eye with a heart that sees opportunities to express this this God-given generosity is is the way we were designed to function, or we can become a slave to money through selfishness and this tight-fisted, begrudging sense of towards the opportunities to grow in generosity around us. You see, our heart posture based on how we see and use our finances, is either going to be faithful to God, expressed through generosity, or it will be begrudging, (laughs) which is sort of this self-focused, even self-sustaining thing. This heart posture, it's ultimately all about moving the needle of trust in our lives. 
It, it, it's about marking, marching down the fork in the road. Are we going to trust God and his provision? Or are we going to do the thing that feels maybe a little safer and a little more familiar and, and, and be self-sufficient and go this direction and serve money and, and, and work and try to provide for ourselves and, and hang on to what we've got? It's sort of this, this is the picture that Jesus is painting. Do we trust God to provide to the point that we can see life with eyes that are generous? Or, or are we focused on being self-sustaining and we begrudge those opportunities and bristle when, when there's an opportunity to, to express generosity? We simply cannot go both directions. Our hearts cannot trust in two directions at once. You cannot serve God and money. Let's go on to movement three. And this is, this is the longest section here, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Jesus has, has established how, how we are designed to operate with generosity and to trust God. And then God invites us to put our finances into his hands. And he does it because he wants our hearts to follow. And look at, look at we see here verses 25 to 34. Jesus addresses this close connection between our financial needs, you know, the need for clothes and food that he identifies with some of the, the, these other creatures. Uh, the, the birds of the air and the grass of the field, they don't have the ability like we do to set us a savings account. I mean, a squirrel can dig a hole and put nuts in there, but I mean, like, like truly, like, like the animals are not able, like we are, to, to choose a self-sufficient path. The grass of the field, the birds of the air, they rely completely on God's provision, and Jesus points there to encourage us to see the faithfulness of God's provision. He wants us to understand and see this beautiful demonstration that, that God is able to care for even these little birds and the blades of grass. If he cares for them, won't he care for you and for me, we who bear his very image? In verse 33, we see this, and this is so... This is so beautiful, so poignant. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. This is what it means to, to, to live generously and to place our finances in his hands. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everything you need, all of this provision, it will be added to you as well. Then he goes on to address how, how our, our hearts tend to get anxious about this stuff and, and, and encourages us to trust in his provision so that our hearts won't dwell in this kind of anxiety. He culminates this teaching on finances and faith with an invitation to put our finances in his hands. And his purpose here is not simply because he wants to provide for our needs. No, his purpose here is he wants our hearts to follow our finances so that our hearts can rest in his hands too. He wants our hearts to follow. This is ultimately why we should be prayerful and intentional to give our financial lives to God as we follow Jesus not because he needs our money. He, he owns everything. The scripture says the heavens and the earth belong to him. But you know what he wants? He wants the chance to shape your heart and mine. 
He wants us to, to, to place our finances in, our, in his hands so that our hearts will follow. And then when he has our hearts, he can transform us. He can make us new. He can take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. He can give us a kind of life that looks more and more like Jesus, just like we sang. He can fill our hearts with the fullness of something that can satisfy in a more deeper way than any, anything you can get on Amazon. He wants the opportunity to transform our hearts, and so he invites us to get there by placing our finances in his hands. Now, we're going to dive more into what exactly that looks like, how to give and where to give and what, what that means and what the rest of Scripture says in the coming weeks. But, but for today, I want us to, to land in this place that, that money is a heart issue. Whatever we trust with our money is going to move our hearts. It's going to move our hearts somewhere. Our hearts, they simply can't trust in two directions at once. And God is inviting us to choose the direction of trusting him. He's inviting us to place our finances in his hands so that he can take our hearts and transform us and make us more and more like Jesus. Do you long to grow? Do you have a Christ-like, like, like this, this Christ-like faith that Jesus defines? He says it's a childlike faith. Do you have a faith like a child that before God says, I want to grow, Lord. The only kind of wealth I need is the kind of wealth that's in the cross, and I want to become more like Jesus. Do you have that kind of faith, that kind of desire to grow? Ultimately, I'm asking, where's where is your, your heart at today? You know, money is a heart issue. And God wants us to trust him alone with our hearts. So when it comes to your finances, where is your heart? Which path is it going down right now today? I don't believe that we can give our hearts to Jesus if we don't really know what's going on in there and where they are, especially with regards to our finances. Most of us struggle to pinpoint what our hearts are actually feeling and doing. Have you noticed that? Here's where things get a little tricky because a, a lot of us who, who, who are, feel comfortable handling finances, you know, we like numbers and spreadsheets because you can lay it out clearly on a, on a screen, but man, when you start to look at how the spreadsheet is connected to your heart, it gets a little messy, doesn't it? It gets a little bit messy. Have you noticed that when you ask somebody what they feel about something, they can rarely actually tell you a feeling? <laughs> They, they'll tell you what they think, but they won't actually identify how they're feeling. Many of us have become adept at ignoring the feeling of our hearts. And so honestly, I think if, if, if we're going to understand how our faith can grow with our finances, we need to pin down where are our hearts on this issue. My guess is that if you're married, you have a hard time talking about this with your spouse. My guess is that if you're single, you have a hard time bringing anybody into like, the financial world of your life. My guess is that if you got questions about this and, and, and you're feeling anxiety, you, you probably do what most of us do. You, you shove it under the carpet and try to bury it. We have a difficult time identifying what we feel about anything, especially money. So 
I have a tool for you today. It's tool time. I've got this sheet, and ushers, would you come on down and, and hand this out? And I'm going to ask the worship team, go ahead and come on up too. This tool, I think, can help. And if you're joining us online, if you head to sharethelife.org slash livestream, our livestream page, you can find this PDF. Uh, and so you can take a look at this and do this with us too. Print it out or, or view it on your screen. Our finances tend to be a touchy issue to talk about, to think about, and, and we're all in a different heart space when it comes to money because money tends to have its, its fingers attached to lots of different things, especially when we mix it up with our spiritual lives and the church and our family lives. And so um, my question for us today is, can you identify how you feel about your personal finances? Are you able to identify that? Can you identify how you feel about the idea of trusting God with your finances? What you feel about your finances will reveal where your heart tends to dwell in a financial sense. So I want to help us figure out today, are, are, are you feeling anxious? Or are you blown away with gratitude? Are you feeling disheartened or apathetic or secure or optimistic or overjoyed? How are you feeling about your finances? This tool is a, a soul words sheet. There's... Uh, Three sections at the top, reflection, prayer, and then a sharing section. And then down below, soul words. And soul words are simply a list of words that can help name how you may be feeling about something. I doubt I'm the only one in the room that struggles to name what I feel about stuff. So take a look through those soul words. There's lots of different words that can help name what's happening in your heart with regards to anything. But today we're talking about finances. And, you know, just... The word soul here, scripturally, the scriptural concept of the soul, it's the combination of our emotions, our physical being, our spiritual being. It's sort of like gathering up all of who we are before God. And so these words can hopefully help you name what's happening in your soul with regards to finances. So I'm going to give you a moment here, and thank you, worship team, for playing a little bit and giving us a minute here, and I want you to just go through the first three questions in the reflection section up top. Look at the soul words. Circle three words that describe what you feel generally about your own personal finances. Then underline three words that describe what you feel about the idea of trusting God with your finances. There's no right or wrong answer. You're just identifying what's happening in your soul. And then put a star by three words that describe how you'd like to feel about trusting God with your finances. Take a minute and do that right now.
like you to think about a time today that you can give to prayer about this. I want to invite you to spend some time praying through where your heart is with regards to your finances. Share with God in prayer what you responded in those first three questions. Set aside some time today to do that. And then if you're married, you've got homework with your spouse. Talk about this prayer. Talk about these reflections. If you're not married, you've got homework with a trusted friend. Find somebody to share where your heart is on this. A roommate, a friend, a brother or a sister. Call me. (laughs) Share with somebody where you're at. Maybe it's your life group. Maybe your life group will set aside some time to share this a little bit. The invitation from Jesus is to trust God with our finances completely so that our hearts can follow. The first step to that is understanding where our hearts are right now and taking that to the Lord. So I'm going to pray to close this time and then we're going to go into our last song. And I'm going to pray for courage. Because this is an area that takes courage to address in a way that glorifies God and helps us grow. So will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I lift my friends here in this room up to you. Give us courage as we let Jesus lead us through understanding this deep connection between our hearts in our finances. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would guide us by your word to your truth about these matters. That we would not dwell in shame or insecurity or anxiety, but that you would take our hearts and you would transform us by the power of your word so that we might have the opportunity to grow as the fullness of Christ dwells within us, Lord. Give us that kind of faith. Give us the courage to take some steps that will help us grow in a way that maybe we haven't even since we were a little kid. Give us a childlike faith to trust in you. Give us courage to walk in that faith. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.